0: Hello, my name is Wayne Jones. Welcome to 3 More Minutes About Sam. This week's episode is called Sam Leaves Litchfield. Sam is now in his mid-twenties, and he's had some lack of success with finding a job, basically. He's now married, and uh, he's made a couple of efforts to get various kinds of jobs, and has really been unsuccessful. Uh, his, what his main goal was, or had been, was to be a teacher. So uh, he did what someone would do in those situations. In that situation, he applied for teaching jobs. He was not successful. It turned out that his wife, uh, Teddy, Teddy had money and uh, he used some of that money, they used some of that money to set up their own school. So uh, it illustrates something about where, you know, if you have a goal in mind and you can't get an employer to take you on, well, set up your own school and you become your own employer. The problem was that the school was slightly out of town and uh, he did simply did not attract enough students in order to make it effective so after a while they reluctantly the school lasted for about a year and a bit I believe but after a while uh, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson decided to close down the school so Sam is now left with uh, no teaching jobs uh, no school that he's running Uh, But what he has done uh, is to apply for the other career that he's interested in, and that's writing. So during the course of uh, this general time, which is about uh, the middle of the 1730s, Sam has written to a man named Edward Cave. And Cave has been, is basically a fairly brilliant entrepreneur. He has set up what some people call the first magazine ever and by the first magazine ever what is meant is that it's not a specialized scientific journal or anything like that it's basically a sort of a miscellany of information articles about this and that, a little poetry, uh, that sort of thing and that was set up in 1731 it was called the Gentleman's Magazine so about the middle of the 1730s Sam knew about this magazine and he very confidently uh, wrote a letter to to Cave, frankly asking if he could be a columnist for the magazine. And uh, it was a it was a you know full page letter, but I'll just read you the first paragraph, basically the first sentence in uh, in the letter that he sent. And uh, just keep in mind here that I'll use the word defects, but it's not necessarily meaning the same thing that defects means today. It doesn't necessarily mean a fault. It could just mean something that's lacking. So if you supply a defect, it means that you fill in something that's blank to start with. So just keep that in mind so so that you don't judge the letter too harshly. So here's his letter to, to Cave, trying to get a job with him. As you appear no less sensible than your readers of the defects of your poetical article, you will not be displeased if, in order to the improvement of it, I communicate to you the sentiments of a person who will undertake on reasonable terms sometimes to fill a column. So that's what he writes to him. Uh I'll do a column. I've noticed that, uh, you know, your, your, poeti- your poetry section could use a little uh, beefing up. And uh, I could write a column for you. Uh, it's known that Cave did reply to this letter, but it's not known what he. Well, it's known what he what the answer was because Sam didn't get any job. Uh, but it's not known that the letter doesn't survive. We don't know what the exact letter said. But Cave did reply to him uh, about a week after Sam sent it. So here he is. He's 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 uh, applied for teaching jobs. He's applied for a writing job even and hasn't been able to get it. So in 1737, this is a couple of years after he's married, he sets out on the road with his friend now, David Garrick. Garrick was also born in Litchfield, and in fact Garrick was one of Johnson's very few students in the school that they had set up at Ediel Hall, Edgel Hall. And uh, they're only uh seven and a half years apart uh Sam is only seven and a half years older than Garrick uh but they set out on the road basically to make their fortunes or make their careers or make their whatever is in london and they 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 leave together um and it turns out in broad terms that they're both very successful in the end um Johnson, of course, Uh, Sam, turns into Samuel Johnson, Dr. Johnson, the grand Cham, you know, the the great man of letters of the 18th century in England, and Garrick turns out to be an extremely uh, acclaimed and successful actor, and goes on also to be a producer as well, you know, someone who uh, puts plays on stage, owns theaters, and actually becomes extremely wealthy as well. Uh, which cannot be said of Sam. Sam, you know, is, lives comfortably, especially on the government pension that he gets uh, near the end of his life, but uh, Garrick becomes quite, quite a wealthy person. Uh, so they're both pretty successful, which is, as they might say, uh, not bad for two boys from Litchfield. They, they did well for themselves. So the, the relationship between Garrick and Johnson, the relationship between David Garrick and Sam... Uh, is, is an interesting one. Um, they don't... It turns out that Garrick actually does Johnson the favor of about 12 years after they're in London. He p- puts on the play that Johnson had... the one play that Johnson wrote in his entire life. Uh, not a very good one to many people's judgment. But uh, he puts it on. It does pretty well. It lasts for nine nights. And that was through the intervention, through the work, through the production of of David Garrick uh, that that happened. Johnson made money from that and got audiences. Uh, so that wasn't a bad thing. But I want to f- focus a little bit on some of the anecdotes about uh, Garrick and about uh, Sam. Some of them are, are pretty funny and some of them are interesting in, in the biographical sense as well. So... The first one I wanted to mention is one about, um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Carrick is involved in the theater and there were times, apparently, when Sam would go behind the stage and sort of, you know, hang out there and see the actresses and see David there, the actors getting dressed, whatever it might be, kind of thing. But it came to a certain point where, uh, as is reported by Boswell, Johnson's biographer, um, And the interesting thing here is that Boswell... I mean, the bottom line is that uh, Sam says that seeing all these semi-nude women in the back of the stage is getting him uh, too excited. And Boswell reports it in a very, very uh, uh, discreet kind of way. But the actual words that Sam said are a little more... uh, (laughs) blunt and to the point so um here's what if you read the biography you know if you read Boswell's biography here's what's reported in the biography here's what the uh, Boswell writes this is what uh Sam says to uh to to Garrick he says quote I'll come no more behind your scenes David for the silk stockings and white bosoms of your actresses excite my amorous propensities. So <laughs> so that is something, I mean, you, you know what he's talking about, but amorous propensities is a, you know, it sounds as if it might be something very highly technical in a way, <laughs> when it's not. And you can tell that it's not because in the notes that have survived of Boswell's writing uh, about this passage, he actually quotes what, what Sam really said, and what he really said was, uh, nothing about amorous propensities, he says uh, the same thing with ending, for the white boobies and the silk stockings of your actresses excite my genitals, so <laughs> that's a pretty... Uh, In a way, it's kind of unusual because it's pretty direct language from Sam that way. In a certain kind of way, one might expect from some, if you read some of his writing, that uh, he would, uh, in fact, use words like amorous propensities, but that's not what he said this time. So I find that very interesting. Uh, The other thing is that uh, uh, there was a certain kind of resentment between uh, Garrick and Johnson, and more more from Sam to David if you know what i mean Sam resented a little his his wealth he uh, the one thing i remember and i forget the exact context now but he someone had suggested to him that he uh, consult Garrick about this or that something about the theater it probably had to do with his um his when Johnson was compiling his edition of Shakespeare and uh Johnson said something like you know what is it that a mere player could contribute uh, to my work, something like that. So you know, really, sort of being very de- denigrating of of, of uh, the you know the value of an actor kind of thing. So that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's just one anecdote. Uh, I think they were you know they were generally friends, but there was some of that. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe it had to do with the money. Maybe it had to do with the. Uh, you know the outward success you know uh, uh, Garrick was very acclaimed and the theater was a very bi- very big activity in, uh, in London at the time so it could have been something like that who knows what it was and the other interesting thing too is that uh, while Johnson was uh, compiling his edition of Shakespeare of course he wanted he needed to have copies of The originals, or you know, the you know, this was close enough to Shakespeare was, you know, had only died in in the 17th century, just over a hundred years before, and so it wasn't unusual, as it is today, for example, to have an original version of of a Shakespeare play, and Garrick, who had a lot of money by by this time, uh, we're talking now in the early 1760s. Uh, had many copies uh, that uh, that uh, could be availed of, and the story is different here. You hear from different sources. One is that uh, Johnson never asked them because he didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of lower himself to ask a mere player for the copies. Uh, that's one thing. And the other side you hear is that Garrick would have been quite willing to give up his editions of Shakespeare and and uh, let Johnson use them for the purpose of his scholarship, uh, but he was never asked. And uh, those two may be uh, the same story. The other thing you, you sometimes hear is that uh, Johnson also had no respect for the book as a physical object. <laughs> uh, so there's lots of other stories unrelated to Garrick about the way that Johnson treated books. So, you know, someone would lend them a copy of a book and would come back, you know, in our days it would come back, if you were to translate it, it would come back with the spine cracked and copies spilled on the pages and something ripped here and notes written in the merch and so this pristine book that you'd lent to someone comes back uh, you know, like a bloody mess basically so uh, uh, that's interesting so, so that's the latest in the story of Sam uh, he he doesn't make it in Lichfield has to move to London and that a- ends up of course the the city that we most associate him with and that ends up where he uh, where he makes his career this has been three more minutes about sam thank you for listening